Talk lines open now at 247-2000. Man, that's a sick beat. (laughs) Hey, 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 and welcome into First City Forum. I'm your host, Zach Layton, joined here by the... Ever-present, Austin Hayes. How's it going this morning, Austin? Good morning. How's it going, man? Oh, it's going great. This uh, fine, cloudy day here in Ketchikan. Glad we're out of that snow and rain and muck and whatnot and on to some more of this. But, you know, never a dull moment here. So, yeah, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Glad yeah, man. Dude, I just have to start. Clue was freaking sweet, man. It was awesome. <laughs> uh, my wife, Grace, and I saw it twice once uh the first sunday and then we came back that last show on saturday and it was just it was awesome it was hilarious your i mean your death scene that's all i have to say (laughs) if you didn't see it it was absolutely hysterical totally off was that off the cuff how much of that was improv um well we had a general outline like okay i have to get from stage right to stage left but how i got there was made up every time you know totally i mean there was a little bit of wiggle room i kind of had some some things that I would pull from my bag of tricks, but mm-hmm. for the most part, it was different every night. Oh, I love that. I love that. I've had that opportunity a couple times as a dancer to like have that freedom, like you said, get from point mm-hmm. A to point B, but how you get there. And like as an artist, mm-hmm. being able to fill that in and have that self expression is just like such a joy. So, and you could just tell that you were just mm-hmm. like reveling in that, yeah. in that. <laughs> And you, look, and you look at where where we are as characters at the very beginning of the show mm-hmm. compared to where it is. It gets so ridiculous, ridiculous. And over the top. <laughs> so I had I had a little too much fun with that. A little too much fun. No, and then your monologue too, when you're like re relaying the whole story or like rehashing the whole story, just brilliant. Thank you. Absolutely Thank you. loved it. Oh. You know, was that was that? Would you say that's one of your favorite roles that, that you've done with First City Players? That 100 percent is my favorite role I've ever done. Mm. So, yeah. Um, I uh, I hadn't done theater in three years. Um, I'd done this was my ninth production with First City Players. Oh wow! Okay. Uh, so I'd acted in several other plays, but it's been a while uh, since pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last play that I did was Thirty Nine Steps, the mm-hmm. the Hitchcock's sort of like a farcical comedy kind of thing. Right. Um, but that one was incredibly rewarding but it was the most challenging and exhausting Mm. play i'd ever done i was so tired i was like all right i gotta take a break from theater (laughs) before i stop enjoying this you know Mm -hmm. and uh and so i was my plan was just to take like five years off i was like you know as much as i love theater i want to go see the shows Mm. you know not always be up in them yeah which i which i have the last few years i've uh, since i mean uh, COVID aside there's been several shows which Mm -hmm. i've gone to see and they've been fantastic yeah get a little different perspective yeah and and um and I had no intention of going and auditioning for for any more shows, just to give myself like a break and focus on my music and everything. Mm-hmm. But but then uh, uh, I don't know a, a year a year ago, maybe like a year and a half ago or something, I was kind of had a night off and was scrolling Netflix or Prime mm-hmm. or whatever it was, mm-hmm. and Clue came on okay, the movie, right. and I had actually never seen it before. Oh no way! So okay. I, I've got a lot of friends who grew up like watching the movie, uh-huh. like oh it's a Tim Curry classic, classic this and that, yeah. and I'd never seen it before, and I was like ooh I'm gonna watch it. Okay. And I absolutely loved it, and I was like, "This is a great movie." And not a few months later, First City Players did their season reveal par- mm. reveal party. Okay, and so they serendipitous. Said, and they said, "We're going to be doing Clue." I'm like, <gasps> "That's it. That's the one that I'm. That's going to bring me back to doing theater." I love that. 
And uh, when I went in to audition, uh, my thinking was, all right, because I, I usually have like a, an idea of mm. which character I could be suited for. Yeah, like where you're going to fit. Yeah, but I don't, I don't like plant that too deep in my head because I usually don't get cast as the mm. character that I want, but I end mm-hmm. up it ends up being a better character for me. Like, okay, I can see why I was cast here. This is better. This is right. Really, you know, so I went in thinking that I would be Mr. Green. That's the oh, role that I interesting. wanted. Interesting. Okay. You know, I was like, cause I usually play, uh, I've never been a lead role before. I've only ever been supportive roles. And it's usually the eccentric character with lots of weird, weird manic energy. You quirks know? and things. Yeah. So, okay. and I'm, I'm generally pretty good at those kind of characters, the eccentric side character. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I've just accepted, you know, like all right i'm just not suited to be a lead role like that's fine you know i, I enjoy yeah. the quirky side characters you got your niche You're, you fit there you like it yeah. it's good it's comfortable so my thinking was all right well i might have a shot at mr green let me give this a go mm-hmm. and then as soon as i saw peter epler i was like nope he's nope. mr green <laughs> he is mr green because <laughs> he absolutely just killed that oh, role man. he did Embodied so good embodied it so yeah. well yeah totally and so uh and and we had so many people audition for it mm. uh from what i understand uh Usually the March play uh, generally has a smaller cast and a smaller budget. So mm-hmm. typically they'll do a night, uh, two auditions, like a Tuesday night, Wednesday night. And then the following week they'll have one callback audition with like invited right. people. Uh-huh. And, then they'll se- and then they'll select their cast from there. Well, we okay. had a Tuesday night and Wednesday night. Typically, you know, the Tuesday night, Wednesday night, it will have like five to ten people. Okay, so like, you know, not too the, huge The turnout. Tuesday had like 15 to 20 people. Oh, wow. Okay. And the... Wednesday, I wasn't. I was there the Tuesday. That's when mm-hmm. we had like fifteen to twenty people there, and then the the Wednesday was like twenty five oh, people. Wow. There was a, there was an outrageous number of people that auditioned. That's awesome. And there was a lot of people who couldn't go because they were out of town or mm. they were busy. So so we had the callback the following week, and there were select people from there plus a bunch of other people who desperately wanted to audition but couldn't be there. Mm-hmm. So we had something like forty people at the okay. callback audition. Wow, which that's a I huge don't, callback. That's a lot of people. Yeah, and so. It was so frantic, like, all right, let's not be here all night. Let's get let's get started. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Elizabeth, our director, would just pull up a scene, and we had, like, what are called sides, just like a little one-page treatment of a scene. Okay. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you play Colonel Mustard, you play Peacock, you play Plum, and, okay, go. You know, and, go. And, and we uh-huh. just kind of switched around, and it was really fun, actually, mm-hmm. just kind of, you know, because... You know, I got to read as Colonel Mustard, and I was like, I'm not going to be cast <laughs> as Colonel Mustard. Be Colonel Mustard. But it was no. really fun to try. Like, hey, you know, just kind of experiment and play around with your acting ability. How would mm-hmm. I interpret this character kind of thing? Oh, totally. It, and I only ever read as Wadsworth, I think it was just one time. Mm. That's so, all it took. That's that. Like, I didn't really, <laughs> I didn't seek out to be Wadsworth. I, I, my thinking was, I'll be any of these characters because mm-hmm. they're great. But in my head, I was like, oh, I'd probably be best suited for Mr. Green. And there were so many people. Elizabeth had a really hard time. She had like three different callbacks, mm-hmm. which I didn't get any of those calls. So my thinking mm. was, oh, all right, well, I tried. You know, that's, that was fun anyway. You know, no hard feelings, blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. then the cast list goes up because she had to narrow it down and narrow, narrow it, down it down further and yep. narrow it down. And she had she had a harder time with sp- certain roles like because everybody was good. good. That so was the good. hard part. Mm-hmm. Everybody was really good. And it was just, it's not about whether or not you're good. It's about finding just the right the person right, for just yes. the right role. And I think Elizabeth nailed it. We, oh, had a, totally. we had a really great cast. No, you could tell just every moment, you could just tell there was so much cohesion. There was mm-hmm. so much, like, each individual had put so much time into, like, the character development and mm-hmm. research for each thing. And it was mm-hmm. cool, too. Like, you know how you had said that you were going for Mr. Green or, like, you felt like you fit Mr. Green, but mm-hmm. that you ended up as Wadsworth and like, maybe that was outside of your comfort zone a little mm-hmm. bit. It seemed like 
not everyone, but a lot of the cast were put in positions like that wasn't necessarily there. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like a lot of us, um, a lot of us didn't, you know, when we were cast in our roles, we're like, really, you know, you think I should be this character? Yeah, exactly. And, and we all just kind of fell in love with our characters and it ended up mm-hmm. working out really well. And the cast list went up and I saw that I was Wadsworth and I'd never been a lead role before. Mm-hmm, yeah. And, and also it's a really iconic role because Tim Curry made that famous in the movie. And I was right, like, big Ooh, shoes to fill. Mm-hmm. All right. And my initial thought was, I'm not going to do this the way that Tim Curry did. I have okay. to do it my own way because I'm not going to copy that. Cause there's, there's no, no way. way. Yeah. <laughs> you can't live up to that. No. Cause you know, the, the man's a genius. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I have to go a little bit of a different route, um, uh, but I had so much fun with that role. Mm-hmm. It was the accent because uh, I had to do an English accent for basically the entire show, and that was tricky because I know how to do an English accent. Like like I'd done shows before where I have smaller roles where I do like a little bit of English, like in Secret Garden. Oh right, I played the soldier, but I only had you know a handful, handful of lines yeah. in the entire show. And I did an English accent, and I was, you know, had the upright, stiff soldier. But Gross. that was just a Royal very small role. Like, Wadsworth has the most lines in this play. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, it's one thing to do a couple of lines, but it's another to do an entire show mm-hmm. with an English accent. So to I had be British. So I got the script as soon as I could. Mm-hmm. And I just, first thing I did was just read it, like, that night. And which I noticed it was a lot funnier than the movie. The movie's mm. hilarious, but the yeah. play, I thought, was actually funnier. And just, oh, totally. just more, I don't know, I... Me, personally, I just preferred the stage version. I was like, oh, I see what they're doing here, you know, and we're flipping mm-hmm. through the script. And and then I read, read it again and said all of my lines out loud in mm. an English accent. I was, And I found, I surprised myself. I was like, oh, I'm not going to have any trouble with this. Right. And then I'd come across a phrase or a word. I'm like, wait, how do you pronounce how this? How do you even do that in, <laughs> and so, in royal pronunciation, right? Yeah, so I had to do some deep diving, mm. uh, deep dive of like, uh, I actually re- started rewatching Downton Abbey <laughs> to get myself in the mindset of the accent, but also the butler. So I was studying mm-hmm. Mr. Carson. You oh, know, I was doing a lot of just stuttering, studying those mannerisms and like figuring out how to do that because there's different, there's different forms of English accent. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm going to go, hello there, my name's Wadsworth, love. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not going to do that doesn't one. doesn't suit, no. I'm also not going to do the, hey, I'm Wadsworth there. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, all right, I'm not going to go there. You know, it's like, no, this is a butler. Oh, mm. Greetings, hello. Yes. You know, mm. it's very proper, you know. Yes. So, so I was looking at, you know, okay, like, uh, Tom Hiddleston, Benedict Cumberbatch, mm-hmm. uh, you know Hugh Grant, you know some some very gentlemanly English actors, and I was kind of listening to. I've I've seen so much British t- television and mm-hmm. movies, so I it wouldn't be a problem. And yet I did come across a lot of the dialogue, which was trouble for me. But anyway, but in the end, I had a really good time. It was great. Yeah. No. So I mean, you kind of already answered like what made, but what really made that. Sh- your your part in the production special for you was it was it the cast was it you know the entire was it was it the process was it being on stage like what was the, the most special part for you um i mean i'd say all of the above uh the character ended up being my favorite character that i've ever played um initially i didn't think the role of wadsworth was a, was a very interesting character oh okay uh that was my initial thought because when i first saw the film i was like well you know i love tim curry but that seemed a little underwhelming to me but and then I watched it again. I was like, oh, that was much better the second time. And then I, after reading the script and doing it more, mm. I grew to really like the character. I'm like, oh, oh okay. I see what the appeal is. I really like this character. Mm-hmm. The cast, uh, I've worked with some really good casts. 
uh, particularly, uh, the, I mean, I, I haven't worked with a bad cast, but mm-hmm. some of my favorite casts that I've worked with, uh, the cast of Amadeus mm. uh, was a great cast. Okay. The cast of Putnam County Spelling Bee was a great cast. Mm-hmm. And then 39 Steps, the last play that I did. We just mm-hmm. had a four-person cast. Uh, this has been my favorite cast. You okay. know? Uh, and just the, what was amazing about the cast was we all got along really well, which, mm-hmm. you know, usually – well, not – I shouldn't say that, but, like, oca- oh, occasionally, you know, sometimes. you get into a creative project like this and, and you might – get some tension yeah, between some of the, some of the actors someone. and mm-hmm. it always ends up great but usually in the rehearsal process it can get kind of intense and mm-hmm. th- we really didn't have any of that like everybody just got along so well we even we still are talking in our uh, group, group chat, chat. <laughs> <laughs> even after that. the show's been over for like two weeks you know we're still talking in our group mm-hmm. chat like keeping in touch with with what we're up to and you know, so the cast really got along. The set was amazing. Amazing. The the uh, I've never seen that large of a set for a March production. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the fall musicals, I've seen some massive sets. Massive, yeah, totally. Uh, but usually for the March shows, they keep the set pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, the set was huge. Huge. Yeah. It was like twenty feet tall, mm-hmm. and it and it took up the entire stage and all the furniture pieces mm-hmm. and the props. Uh, absolutely my favorite set that I've ever worked on. Incredible. All the little corridors and mm-hmm. extra doors you have to go through. And uh, the fact that different parts of the stage uh, ended up being different rooms, like the lighting would change, change yeah. and then give you the impression, oh, we're in a different room now. Mm-hmm. And, and you saw it, so you know we had those movable doors, which were on wheels. So like, okay, one of the cast members grabs the door and slides it over here. The light goes down on this side and comes up, up on this side. Now yep. we're in a different room. Different and so room. we walk through this door, and there's a different room. And so using little tricks like that, which are pretty simple, mm-hmm. um, with the just massive grand background set we had was pretty incredible yeah it was really very immersive mm-hmm. to even using the the apron you know the front part of the stage you normally stay off of mm-hmm. and using some of the side entrances that are normally not used during you know they'd be used pre-production for someone to come out and do a curtain speech or something like that so using some different entrances and exits even and some areas you know of the proscenium that are normally not even don't even have light on them, mm-hmm. so it even it expanded the stage out like almost like a thrust stage into the audience a bit, and so it brought us in. Mm-hmm. You know, as a patron, it was really awesome to see that, and it and it, it was great too because it gave the impression like you said there were the moving doors, but there were also doors upstage all the mm-hmm. way in the back, where it like when the cook comes out of there, you have no no problem suspending the disbelief that there's another room mm-hmm. back there when people were coming through the main door like that they had come from some long drive Mm -hmm. up to this manor house. I mean, it was, it was so, like I said, immersive in that it really brought us the audience into that space with you. And like, even the painted floor, the way that Keith designed that Mm -hmm. to where it had that forced perspective of being a a long hallway. Yep, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And, and also, which I didn't realize until we were like one of the last nights of rehearsal before the show, Mm the the hallway floor that was painted on the stage, which I've never done a show where the stage was painted. Mm-hmm. So that was really cool. Mm-hmm. So we actually had the painted hallway. But uh, um, during toward the end of the show when we're doing the accusations, it was so-and-so with this weapon or whatever. Yeah. Um, um, we Elizabeth choreographed that so that we were all on the hallway because it also looked like a big board game piece mm-hmm. or like a like little squares, like checker like pieces or something. Yeah. yeah. And so, and I hadn't thought about that, like, oh, yeah, it does. So it's the hallway, but also that's like the board the game board itself. Game. Yeah. So the end finale with uh. all of the accusations was meant to be on the board game, mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. All in all, 
it was a very creative show, mm-hmm. top to bottom, hands down, one of the best First City Players productions. I mean, I feel like every once in a while, people like still talk about 39 Steps. People talk about Cabaret. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, Like there's, mm-hmm. there's shows that just kind of like stand out. And a lot of times, they're the fall musical, but this time, Clue definitely is going to go down as one of those like all-time favorites yeah. for a lot, of, a lot of people. Certainly, certainly among my favorites, for sure. Yeah. Well, and so, you know, I think we kind of, we dove into there because that was topical, but let's, let's rewind mm-hmm. a little bit. So, Austin, how did you come to be the Austin that you are? Like, what is your origin story? Because, you know, you're, you just killed it in Clue as Wadsworth, but we know you as like the piano man <laughs> of Ketchikan. You're like our local Billy Joel kind of like <laughs> around there singing, singing and playing you know, at the Fish House and, you know, other places and, you know, producing Motown and things like that. So how did you come to be that? Well, that's loaded a, question, that's a I long, know. Yeah, it's a long story. I'll try to condense it as best I can. Here we go. Rewind. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I grew up here in Ketchikan. Um, uh, grew up uh, as a little kid banging on pots and pans. And my, <laughs> my mom was like, well, okay, I better get this kid a drum set. Mm-hmm. So I think I was six years old or something. I got my first drum kit. Okay. And at the time, one of the new movies that was out, this is like the early, mid-90s, so there was that Tom Hanks movie, That Thing You Do. Did you ever see that movie? Yeah, totally. So about the fictional story, but it's about the rock band from the 60s that have Mm -hmm. the one-hit wonder. So that was like my favorite movie, and I watched it all the time. And I largely I learned how to play the drums just from watching that drummer in the movie. Copying And I was like, oh, okay, well, he does it more like this. And I learned all those beats to every Mm -hmm. one of the songs. Uh, and then we also had a VHS tape of The Beatles' Help, mm. uh, that yeah. movie that they did. It wasn't a particularly popular movie, I don't recall, but for whatever reason, we had a VHS of it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, uh, the movie itself is just goofy and corny. It's mm-hmm. The Beatles All just being Beatles goofy. Are. <laughs> but it's it sh- features almost every song from the help album so mm. i learned a lot about the i learned every one of those beatles songs from that album okay uh and around the same time my brother uh, I, maybe that's why we had the vhs my brother uh really got into the beatles mm. so him and his buddy arnie uh after school and sometimes during recess they wouldn't go outside they'd like go in the band room and just play <laughs> beatles songs that's awesome and they ended up learning a lot of music together and so the three of us were going to form a, a rock band, which mm-hmm. we did when we were kids. We had a rock band called The Rubber Band. The Rubber Band. The nice. Rubber Very band. punny. Yep. I like it. And so when we were all kids, you know, we did like little tours. We'd Little little tours. <laughs> we played at some of the elementary schools in town, okay. like for some other kids. And then, and when, once we all got into high school, uh, the, the personnel had kind of changed over the years. But it was mm. always me, my brother Nelson, and his friend Arnie. It was always the three of us. Mm, the core. Yeah. And, uh, our original bass player had left the band, so my brother ended up being the bass player. He was originally the piano player. Okay. But uh, it was the three of us, drums, bass, guitar, the whole time. And then we got different singers. And we at one point, we had a couple of horn players. Uh, including the the late Sam Pitcher, who was part mm. of the band at one point. Uh, but when we were all in high school, those guys all graduated at the same time, and I was only 15. So like okay. they all left, and we did a CD, and then we did a concert. Okay. So so uh, at that point, like maybe a year before I was like 14, I got really into jazz. I got into mm. Buddy Rich and big band jazz, and I got into. Uh, I also at the same time got into movie scores. I became obsessed with like. Mm. Uh, you know, John Williams and Danny mm-hmm. Elfman and Hans Zimmer and like some of my favorite film composers and started building up a collection of albums of like a little shelf with all these CDs of film scores and jazz records. Mm. Uh, 
Uh, and then I just was playing all the time. It really became an obsession. Right. <laughs> Whether it was healthy, we'll see. <laughs> Probably not, but I don't know. I mean, uh, I'm the musician I am today because of all the time mm-hmm. I put into that period, the very crucial years there. Um, and then getting to like 16 years old, 17 years old, um, I started becoming really good friends with some of the jazz players in town. Mm-hmm. So I made I made pretty good friends with uh, with Carl Ritchie and mm-hmm. uh, uh, Lynn Caldwell and and uh, uh, Dave Kiefer and Kim Henriksen. Um, Great crew. And so yeah, and so so uh, a lot of times uh, they would have trouble finding a drummer for some gig. Like, hey, we got this you know retirement party we're playing. Could you play <laughs> drums for us? And I was a sixteen year old kid. Like, like yeah, absolutely. Know? And so we'd have a couple rehearsals, and I ended up learning a lot of tunes just mm. because I made myself available, and I had developed the skills I needed to play that stuff. So I ended up doing gig after gig, and I was getting paid for it too. Like, oh wow! Oh, like we're gonna do this hospital Christmas party. Cool, great. And I'd just go play, and wasn't expecting to get paid. And then uh-huh. they'd hand me a check for like three hundred dollars. Like, oh wow! Whoa! And I was like a seventeen-year-old kid. Yeah. <laughs> which in you know two thousand seven was quite a bit of money, mm-hmm. like for for that <laughs> least, age and that time. Yeah, yeah at least totally. for me it was. I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. you know, I'll never have to work again. <laughs> no, <laughs> but anyway. Uh, so I did a lot of that. I, I ended up going to college in Seattle. Uh, mm-hmm. My mom and I moved to Seattle in 2008. Uh, I went to Cornish College of the Arts. I studied uh, of awesome course, school. It's a great school, of course. Great for dancing too. They've as got well. a great dance yes. department, Huge. great music department. So started as a music and dance department. They expanded, and now they've got an acting department, mm-hmm. like theater and post and performance production and visual art and all that cool stuff. So uh, while I was there, I of course I studied drums and just ensemble work, being in a band. Um, uh, really, just getting getting some new insight outside of the Ketchikan perspective, and mm-hmm. and I started lear- studying piano a lot. That's when I really started studying piano, okay, and music theory, and I got really into arranging music and then composing my own music. And all I ever wanted when I was a kid, I'd play video games, but I wouldn't even play the games. I'd just have them pause. <laughs> and I'd just listen to the music. Listen to the pause music. So, and my favorite was like Donkey Kong. Like the <laughs> the music is so good. Like if you just listen to it, like this is really snappy. Like I like this, you know. And all I ever thought was, oh, it'd be really nice if I could take that, but rearrange it for, you know, a couple of saxophones and a couple of trumpets. And like, so that's what I always, what I wanted to do was take, huh. take my favorite songs, but rearrange them for my own bands. Interesting. Like, that's all I ever wanted. Because you, you, know? you just liked the, the tune or you liked the, yeah. the way it made you feel from, yeah, like, from the game. I really liked the tune, but I wanted to take it and, 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 uh, jazzify it, jazzify it, or or not even necessarily <laughs> jazzify it, just just like you know, uh, arrange it for a different type of ensemble. Like, mm-hmm. oh, it'd be really great to do this song, but with a, a acapella vocal group. Like oh. that'd be cool, you know. Just kind of rearranging whatever piece of music I had in my head, and and uh, and so uh, moving back here, I was back here for a few years, and I lived on the East Coast for a couple years. Mm. Uh, moved over there with my girlfriend at the time, mm. and came back with this whole fresh perspective. Like, all right. Let's get into this music thing. And, and I've okay. been here since. That was in 2018. Uh, and I've done a lot of music things and theater things since then. Mm-hmm. Kind of left out about 10 years there. <laughs> but in any case... Um, Hit the highlights. Uh, yeah, so I started doing some of my own jazz concerts. Like, all right, I'm just going to do this. And, you know, like at the Creek Street Cabaret uh, and at the Saxman Tribal House, putting together right. like some of my original music and some bands, just kind of doing shows. Some of them were fundraisers. Some of them were just kind of... Just whatever, like, hey, I put mm-hmm. 10 musicians to work. Like, whatever. We each made a little bit of money. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was just freelance drummer, for, you know, just playing in the bands and stuff. I played for a while in the Ratfish Wranglers mm-hmm. and Joe's band, K-Funk, you know, just kind oh, of being yeah. a drummer in town, playing for whatever. Uh, and then um, after that, it's 
it's not that I got tired of jazz. It's that I, I kind of got burnt out. And I was like, mm. I want to do something different. different. Mm-hmm. And I've always loved Billy Joel. So <laughs> I, I, I randomly, like, you know, 11 at night, midnight, what it might have been like 2 in the morning, I randomly texted Kyle Bailey. And I was like, hey, do you want to put together a Billy Joel tribute night? And he respo- he responded like right away. Oh, He's course. like, "Heck yeah, that sounds amazing!" And so, <laughs> why are you up? Also, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Like, so uh, that was my next big project mm. uh, after my my whole basically only ever doing jazz stuff for a while. And I and I did my Billy Joel show, which we did two nights, and both nights packed the Creek Street Cabaret. I was mm-hmm. surprised how many people showed up. I was like, you know, we might get fifty people. No, the place was bursting at the seams. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we had Turning a line out the door. Yeah, and I was like, God. And I had so much fun doing that. I was like, I want to do more of these types of focused uh, mm. concept shows. Not okay. necessarily tribute shows, but just concept, concept. shows. Uh-huh. Where you come up with some really specific idea, and then you uh, work out all the details and put in a lot of hard work for like six months, mm-hmm. and then do it. And, uh, and go all out, like have a huge, you know, big venue. And and so the, the COVID obviously shut things down mm-hmm. for a bit. But the next big project I did was the Motown, Motown. concert this yeah. last year. And uh, that was that was really incredible. That was, God, that was an enormous amount of work. Mm-hmm. By far the most I've ever worked on a music show. Oh, really? And uh, and so I I still have like ten other ideas for focus concept shows. I, I'd love to do more tribute concerts. I'd love to do uh, a Randy Newman tribute. I'd mm. love to do Weird Al Yankovic tribute. Oh man! I'd love to do uh, uh, James Brown tribute. Uh, you know, some of it like uh, some of the stuff I want to do is like more dance oriented. Some of mm. it's just more show oriented. Okay. Um. And, but I want to do other stuff too, like like uh, I want to be a piano player and sing and have my own rock band and mm-hmm. like do original songs, you know, like because I've never really, I don't usually have my own band. Like I usually play in other people's bands, or I'll put together a specific project and then it's done after that. Mm-hmm. Like whereas there's a lot of people, it's like this is my band and we practice regularly and perform mm-hmm. regularly. You know, I don't really have my own band where I get to pick the songs. You know, so I've been thinking about that. Like you know. After all these years, I, well, what if I just had my own band? You know? Yeah. What if I just had my own band? Yeah. Well, and kind of you know bolster the the music scene because you know, I was talking to Tracy Brown, who you mm-hmm. you know you play with in Woody's Finest Hour, mm-hmm. and they play or you play the hits of the '80s. Mm-hmm. Like that's your your stick. And you know, I asked him like, "Oh, do you guys do original?" He's like, "No, that's not. Mm-hmm. That's not what we're about." But I remember you know just not that long ago there was quite a few bands around that were playing original stuff around town yeah. and starting to kind of, you know, build that, build that up. And I know if we, if you talk to, you know, you mentioned Carl over at Creek street mm-hmm. cabaret, you know, he talks about back in the day, there was live music regularly throughout the week and the weekends. It was like at every, oh, yeah. every bar, every, every venue in town had something going on. So mm-hmm. yeah, it would yeah, be great but- to see more people, create new bands and do i know there's a few around town mm-hmm. but yeah the 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 dude mountain boys they're doing awesome awesome um yeah. um i'm we're having a great time with woody's i mean it's not original music but it's uh we're having it's, a really good time like party doing our shows yeah and <laughs> and uh you know it's it's really great to see to see people like doing new projects and it's like cool yeah mm-hmm. um uh the sheets they just played in in uh, mm-hmm. sitka like they're doing well doing well great yeah. you know so I've been thinking that's one thing that's been on the back of my mind. Like maybe I'll just start my own band because because I want to do like some you know uh, not just Billy but like stuff that's in that genre like mm-hmm. like Billy Joel, Elton John, mm. uh, maybe some Leon Russell. You know, just a, a rock band that features largely acoustic instruments that mm. that like that's that has a piano at its center. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, and because no one's really doing that in this town, so it'd be something a little different, and it'd be some fun for me to do. Mm-hmm. So I've been thinking about doing that on top of all the other big shows that I have planned that I want to do. Yeah, that sounds like that'd be a, like like you said, it's it's rewarding to do the big show, but then it's also nice to have that creative creative outlet. So mm-hmm. between piano and drums, because you you said your first love is drums, and you did that mm-hmm. growing up. If you had to choose one, like if you were only allowed to play one instrument for the rest of your music career would you pick piano or drums piano absolutely piano absolutely yep. why is and, that and so people are surprised to hear me say this yeah totally um so first off the drums as much fun as they are there's no there's no notes you know there's no like dun 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 mm-hmm. there's no there's pitches no scale, yeah it's just crash boom bang mm. and it's really fun to play but like you can't you can't really write music with a drum set you can with a piano though mm-hmm. and not only can you like play music you could write music and you can study music because the piano Mm -hmm. uh contains every note that's in our that's in our western musical system and then it's in within our hearing register Mm. because piano goes down to really low notes Mm -hmm. and it goes way up to really high notes so whereas you know like a bass guitar has like a limited range Range. on the lower end and something like an alto saxophone has a limited range toward the middle and kind of up around the high end and same with like a piccolo Whereas the piano can play all of those notes. Mm. And so, and you can also play multiple notes at the same time, which mm. a lot of those instruments you can't. Can only, yeah. They're more uh, limited. And also something like a guitar, um, it has it has a lot of notes you could play, but it's very, the fretboard uh, to someone like me who doesn't play the guitar is very confusing because mm. mm-hmm. it's like, wait, wait, where's, where's a G? Like, I don't know where it is. I just see these frets and I don't know what it is because mm. you have to understand the, the shapes and the frets and the, the mechanics of the instrument whereas the piano you could just look at it oh there's the note right there mm-hmm. so it doesn't you know you could you could learn how to play it in a relatively short period of time mm-hmm. and uh and you could you could use even if you're not a great piano player you can use the piano to write music and arrange music mm-hmm. and study music because it's all just right there in front of you you could see the notes they're right there it's like learning the alphabet right because it kind of it follows that linear yep linear progression through mm-hmm. the keys from like you said from low to high or high to low whichever way mm-hmm. starting so, in the center right Working and it out. started it started with just that like i just loved sitting at the piano just playing even mm-hmm. though i didn't at first i didn't really know what i was doing i just liked making sounds like mm-hmm. what if i press these keys at the same time like ooh. Uh-huh. That sounds very pleasant. And then what about these ones? That sounds very unpleasant. Why is that? <laughs> Why and, you know, is and that? Just studying the mechanics of, of just listening and and just tinkering. That, like like the... I, I call it tinkering. Like mm. that's, that's my favorite is I think the best discoveries are made when you just tinker. tinker. And oh, the piano totally. is a great instrument to do that with. Mm. You know, it's like, oh, there's the, my favorite song goes like this. And, oh, that's how it is. And you kind of can figure it out on the piano. And I don't know. So So mm. that's how it started. Uh, but more recently, I've I've actually been studying like technique and actually learning like classical style pieces, mm. and of course I've developed a whole solo library of like playing songs and singing, which that's something I've been doing a lot more recently is singing, which I never I never sang until like a few years ago really. I mean I've done a little bit like in choir I was in the, or in college I was in the the choir, in the but, choir. Okay. but I never like sang professionally or anything. So mm. I'm having a good time with the '80s band Woody's, mm-hmm. which I joined them last year. Um, and that's been that's been a real workout for my voice, and oh, then okay. and then doing the solo stuff too has been a lot of fun. But yeah, hundred percent. If I had to choose between drums or piano, I'd pick the piano. So so you got into piano late, right? You said you started with you were drumming and drumming. You didn't really start studying the piano until college. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I I kind of picked it up a little bit when I was sixteen, seventeen, but not really seriously. I, my mom was a piano teacher growing up, and and so people mm. think, oh well, she taught you 
to play the piano and that's not really true like i actually never took any lessons from her mm. but i did go into her studio because she had all these great books there mm-hmm. and i just pull out a book and i just and take a look at it and you know and and I studied, uh, you know, we had music class in, you know, in school. And I was always in the school bands. I okay. was always in the the wind ensemble, the jazz band. For a while, I was in the pep band. And then outside of that, I was a part of, like, the McPherson music uh, mm. bands, like the Windjammers band and those things. <laughs> so I was always immersed in it. But, like, studying the actual theory of it, a lot, a lot of the initial studying was just me flipping through those books out of my own curiosity. Mm. But really, it wasn't until college that I started playing the piano seriously, yeah. And then would you say that your mom being a teacher inspired you to teach others piano? Because I know it's something you do also. That's something I do also. Um, I, I wouldn't say that. I would say she was she was very helpful in nurturing my, my young self as a mm-hmm. musician. She was absolutely helpful, mostly uh, with just providing us a space to where we could practice because we had a big back room in the house, which was just mm-hmm. devoted for music. So that oh, so was the drums didn't bother that, her too much. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna and say so much to her chagrin. She gives you this. It was built kit. into the house. Like we had we had double layer walls, which were like somewhat soundproof, so it wouldn't oh, wow. disturb our downstairs neighbors and uh, and the the other neighbors and other houses. So like like we, so the fact that she provided us with a place to play, mm. and uh, she had you know we had our instruments there, so we had guitars, basses, drums, pianos. We had all that stuff around, and she was always playing music like on the on the stereo. So she had stacks of like hits of the 50s, mm. hits of the 60s, hits of the 70s, hits of the 80s. And then uh, there would be like just top 10 hits. And then mm. there'd be like, you know, these uh, compilation albums of just one particular artist. And then she had mm. like, you know, uh, the best of the swing era from the 30s, the best of the swing era from the 40s, you know, the best of Miles Davis, the best of Oscar Peterson. So I, I was just exposed to a lot of just listening to music mm. and then a lot of classical music. She always would play uh, Beethoven was one of her favorites and Bach was one of her mm-hmm. favorites. So just a lot of noise going into my ears mm-hmm. all the time and just kind of soaking it in. So that was very helpful. Uh, but as far as being a teacher, I actually avoided teaching for many, many years because <laughs> that's what my mom did. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I did, I specifically did not want to be a, a music teacher. Uh, and it got to where, uh, you know, I'd done, I've basically worked every job that you could think of. I've done janitorial cash handling, food handling. I've worked in a superstore. I've mm-hmm. worked at gas stations. I've done early morning shifts, late shifts. I've done construction. I've done roofing. I've done like all these different things just to kind of like odd jobs to make some money. Uh, but my main job has primarily been just being a seasonal. Mm-hmm. Like I worked at Allen Marine Tours for a few years in the summers. Okay, yeah. Uh, and then I worked at uh, at a shop on Creek Street for a few mm-hmm. years just in the summers. And then uh, to supplement that income, I would just do gigs and, and just mm-hmm. try to make some money off of that, which, you know, usually I'd make some cash here and there, especially in the summer. There's a lot of gigs and mm-hmm. opportunities to, like, play music yeah, for tourists or whatever. Yeah, a lot of people to play for. Yeah, exactly. And, and there's usually some fun there. So I for a while there, like in my late twenties, that's just how, what I did. I was mm. a seasonal. And then in the winter time, I would just kind of odd job it around, odd job it and kind of do some gigs and take it easy and just mm. kind of hunker down with my chunk of money until it ran out in like April and then panic, <laughs> panic, and then get the seasonal job start back up. You know, it <laughs> sounds like a fisherman, but, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for music and things. And I got, I kind of got tired of that lifestyle. I did mm. it for a number of years. It was fun. I was like, you know, it'd be nice to have some year round stable mm. income. Mm-hmm. And so I, and I'm like, I was rapidly approaching 30, which now I'm 32. I'm going to turn 33 this year. Jeez. So yeah, I'm getting old. No, no. So, (laughs) but I started, I started really thinking about what I want to do as like a a full-time career. 
and um, and I never really had interest in the public schools. I like working mm. with the public schools right. and you know being as best of a resource as I can for my friends who work in public Go schools. Go in and then leave. Yeah, but but like I'm way too picky about my curriculum. It has to be exactly the mm. way that I want mm. it. And most of my curriculum, I actually design myself. I'm oh, like wow. I'm a perfectionist. I'm very picky and I don't want anybody messing with it. I don't want anyone telling me what my what my schedule is. Like no, this is my schedule. <laughs> this is how yeah. I work best and I and I I feel like I'm pretty good at it, but you know, usually if you're working for someone else, they wouldn't mm-hmm. really go for that <laughs> necessarily. So, I never I didn't really consider going into uh, plus I don't have a degree. Mm-hmm. I do not carry a, a degree. So, that usually put working in the public school system off off, off the, the table. table. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe at some point I'll change my mind and be like, "You know, that sounds like a good thing that I want to get into." Uh, but anyway, um oh what was what was i talking about we're talking about you know you wanted something that was more of like a steady oh oh, yeah yeah, sorry (laughs) no you're total total brain fog you go off on that track and it's like i don't want to work at the book yeah so so uh one thing i considered was being a welder oh Uh, so i had a departure i had people tell me um particularly my aunt and uncle who've been very supportive uh, they are uh, diesel mechanics. They mm. run the diesel dock out north. Okay. And so I've done some odd work for them. And my uncle Mike was telling me, you know, you'd be a really good welder because I'm very meticulous. I like mm-hmm. things to be done properly, and I'm patient enough to make sure that it's done right. And he's mm-hmm. like, you know, you'd be a really good, you'd, you know, he'd, you'd be a good welder. You should consider that because mm-hmm. we've got the great welding course right here at the oh, university. Yeah. And so I strongly considered that. And then my buddy Kim, who is a piano player, and he worked, mm-hmm. I work with him all the time, he's like, so I agree with that, but just – Think about the fact that you're going to be handling things that are really sharp and really <laughs> and hot <laughs> all the time, and there's high risk of damaging your hands, which I need my hands for, for piano, piano and drumming, and it's yeah, it's what I do. And so, I kind of I kind of decided ultimately I would not pursue welding, which hmm. kind of was a little bit sad. I was like, oh, but I but that was that would have been so cool, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, but then that ended up I literally sat down and made a pros and cons list. And I was like, all right, what are some things that I'm good at? And what are some things that I'm not good at? Okay, I'm not good at this, not good at that. I'm, I'm pretty good. Well, I'm pretty good at music, and I'm a good teacher, and I'm good at explaining things, and I'm very organized. Like, uh, like I've, I've thought about starting my own business and having, mm-hmm. like, you know, like a – so when I lived in Maine, this guy who was, like, a hero of mine, he came in uh, – I worked at a gas station for mm-hmm. two years. I was the <laughs> night manager. Oh, okay. And he came in all the time. He was a nice guy. He had a candy supply business. So, like, a couple mm. days a week, he came into the store, and he'd have just a box of, like, specialized candy. Not like Reese's or, or Snickers. Not like the big names, but, oh, okay. like, some specialty candy. And that was his business. He literally just went to different stores around the state of Maine. And sub- and it was just him. No employees. Huh. And he had, in the back of his car, he just had all these boxes of candy. I'm like, imagine that being your livelihood, where... You just have a simple life, and you just spread joy. Like I'm like, that sounds amazing. And, he's the candy man. He's a candy man, and he just supplied <laughs> stores with their candy. And he would go in and like he would do it for them. He'd like stock it, and you know mm. anything that was expired, he'd remove it, and then put the fresh one up there. Made sure it was always looking nice. And then he was always had a big smile on his face and like shook everybody's hand. I was mm. like, I love this guy. That's what I want to do. And so I thought about starting my own business and doing something like that. You know, mm-hmm. maybe not necessarily candy, but something like that. Uh, and I was like, okay, so I'm, I, I have a general business mind, but it's like, you know, with all these things, music, b- business, teaching, I should probably start my own music teaching business. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and so what I decided was I'm probably not going to like it, but whatever, let's give it a try. Like I, I, mm-hmm. I made myself, uh, I'm, I'm going to do this for a year, 
And okay. I'm not, not going to quit. I'm going to do it for a full year. Stick the even year if there's some tough days, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to stick it out for a full year. Really try my best. And if I decide that I don't like it, that's okay. I'll try something else. Yeah. And I've, I'm on four and a half years now, something like that. <laughs> nice. Four years. So I really like it, and it's great. Yeah. So if you if you started four and a half years ago, that means you had to navigate the pandemic. The pandemic. Yep. And as an instructor myself, it was a challenge. You know, you get to know these students and you see them every day or every week. And then all of a sudden they're not allowed to come in or you have to see them in a different capacity. Did you, did you teach piano over zoom? I only did a couple of lessons over zoom. Um, I want to say I did one drum lesson, maybe two (laughs) drums over zoom. Drums over zoom is very difficult. Band name called it. Yeah. Drums over zoom. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I did just a handful of lessons over Zoom, and very difficult. Oh, I can't, um, can't even imagine how you would even. It's it's start. a lot. It's a lot easier if you have. I don't know. I mean, I'm not very tech savvy. That's one thing I'm not very good at is computers mm. and and tech. Like anything computer related, I'm terrible at it. Like people laugh at me. I'm just like, wait, is this a USB? And I'm holding up, you know. It's like no, that's that's the cord to the vacuum cleaner. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I don't know. Course. Like to me, they all look the same. Like mm-hmm. so, so figuring out where to plug the camera into the side of my computer, mm-hmm. and I couldn't figure out because the camera was flipped; it was reversed. Right. So like I'm sh- saying, okay, with your right hand, play this, and I sh- and I would lift up the camera and zoom in on my right hand, but it looked like my left You'd hand. Like your left hand, yep. And that can be really confusing for someone. Super confusing. So I couldn't figure out how to flip the camera around. And, of course, so many of my friends were just like, it's easy, just do this. I'm like, well, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, people were were very nice to me, and, like, they paid me anyway. But I was, a lot of times I'd just be like, you don't have to pay me. Like, this this is not – I'm not – clearly don't know what I'm doing here. And they're like, no, you're doing fine. This is great. And and I uh, figured out how to scan a document into a PDF file. I was very proud of myself. Like, I know how to scan a sheet of paper <laughs> and make a PDF document. Look at me go. And I'm like looking around. Did you see that? And, and there's nobody around. I'm like, oh, oh. <laughs> seems like you need like a middle school aged or a high school aged assistant to just yeah. do everything for you. Because exactly. like it seems like kids know like the next tech thing before it even comes out. Sometimes. Yep. Yeah, I know. I definitely I empathize with you on the flipping thing. Because you know, mm-hmm. imagine you're demonstrating a dance movement that's you know varying degrees of complex, but you have to say your right hand does a circle, but you're mm-hmm. actually using your left hand. Yeah. Because it's, like you said, it's flipped. It's like watching yourself in the mirror. And mm-hmm. it's like a, a new skill that I acquired from, it was like, thanks, COVID. Taught me how to say, yeah. say right hand and use left hand. Very, yeah. I don't know how useful that will be mm-hmm. in some context. But now you're, you're out of the woods. And so people, you have uh, quite a few students now right and also some adults as well not just children i have about 30 students right now oh wow yeah. congratulations that's awesome thank you yeah and it, you... it's a it's a full-time job for me at this point okay and you moved studios too because originally you were uh... yes yeah, so i was originally in the uh, upstairs in the heckman building that's right uh, on the corner of main and dock street and now i'm uh, above parnassus books in the turk building beautiful and that's also where you practice with um Woody's Finest Hour as well, right? Yep. So, yep. so uh, there's one-stop two, shop. There's yeah. There's the bigger room which we use for band practices, and I've also brought in uh, other bands to practice in that space as well. It mm. just makes for a great pra- uh, practice space. 
And then there's the smaller front room, which is like the office portion, I guess you call it. And that's where I that's where I do my teaching primarily. Mm-hmm. Got my two drum kits, got my piano, my bookshelf, my desk, and all that fun stuff. And are you full of students? Like you can't take any more right now, or you have room in your schedule? I've got some room. I could take some more. And how would someone, if they if they wanted to be a student of yours, how would they go about signing up? Well, I'm pretty easy to get hold of if you if you live here in Ketchikan, which I assume all of our listeners do, or at least most of you out mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, so just find me, Austin Hayes, on on Facebook or Instagram. Mm-hmm. You could send me a direct message and say, "Hey, I want drum lessons or piano lessons." So that's one way. Okay. Uh, you can call or leave a voicemail to my cell phone, which is nine zero seven two zero four zero two three five. That works as well. I'm very easy to get a hold of. Um, you can go on to my website, ostinatomusicstudios.com, and there's more information there. Uh, I also have a Facebook page, Ostinato Music Studios, which mm. you can find me there as well. Um, or you can just bump into me on the street and just <laughs> be like, hey. I want to learn the drums. Yeah. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, a lot of my students have been uh, just word of mouth that just, you know, uh, some someone will know me through a friend, and then they'll give out my number, to, which is fine. Feel free to give out my number. I don't care. That's That's <laughs> fine. I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. So those are some of the best ways. Um, I've got a couple of flyers, a couple of cards around some of the mm. businesses in town. So if you just see it, like Austin Auto Music Studios, drum lessons and, and piano lessons, oh, there's there's the information. There's my email, phone number, all that stuff. So there now, are lots of different ways. Do you ever do any, like, collaborations or anything with any of your students or any people like that? Not Not people that you play with in a band, per se, like... You know, maybe someone that you work with with First City Players or people that you know like that. Do you ever, like, write songs with them or do any, you know, real side projects like that? Uh, I have before. I, I would like to do more. Um, mm. There's there's usually well, – I, I call them excuses. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I have lots of excuses why I haven't done more of it. Okay. Uh, but really that's all they are. But, uh, you know, oh, I've been busy. Oh, this and that. It's like, well, I can make the time. You know, we all just got to make the time. But anyway – that's another conversation. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, uh, let's see. I'll, I'll not in particular order, but like uh, several years back, uh, I worked with uh, Elizabeth Schultz. Mm-hmm. Um, she uh, she did her uh, master's degree, I want to say, mm-hmm. in in California, and she wanted to do an original uh, choreography with with some original music. Original music and so yeah. she contacted me, mm. and at the time, it worked out great. I had I had my laptop with a good uh, music software program. Mm. And so I composed three different little pieces for her and ended up just sending – I was on the other – this was when I was living living in Maine. Oh, wow. So I was okay. like 3,000 miles away. And did and she I know just, you from here? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so okay. I'd, I'd, known her, I'd known her since like 2011, 2012, okay. something like that. Uh, at the, I think at the time she was – she was running KTB or, yes. or was at least working there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'd, I'd met her through various channels. Maybe it was through one of the fall musicals or something, or it might've oh, been yeah. through Kim Henriksen. I think Kim Henriksen was working with her and then I met her through Kim. Maybe that's what it was. Interesting. Um, I can't remember the exact circumstance, but anyway, I wrote music for her. So a dance music collaboration, I didn't get to see it because obviously I was on the other side You're of the country, a, yeah. but, but that was a really fun collaboration. Just, just, you know, getting her, cause she described how she wanted the music and just me interpreting that, like listening to a dancer describe what they want, and mm-hmm. then I have to, as a musician, interpret that, like, okay. And then I was really nervous about it. I sent her some recordings, like, no, no, these are just drafts, you know. Uh-huh. If they're not okay, then just let me know. I can change them. Don't, don't worry. I, I'll change them. I'll you change know. Them. Never mind. I'm just going to delete them now because they're bad, <laughs> you know. And then she's like, what are you talking about? These are amazing, you know, and, mm-hmm. and she really liked them. So I was like, oh, great. Um, so that was a good collaboration. 
um, I've uh, I've I've made some friends in town who are who are uh, singers and who wanted to like uh, sing with me, and so we've they have lyrics, but they don't know how to put oh. into a song. Yeah, so it. like like a, people have presented me with song lyrics, and I'll help write the music for it. So I've co-written a number of songs with some various people in town, including Grace. Yes, uh, which was awesome. Uh, and actually, we gotta I gotta talk with her more because we want to do some more collaborations yes together. she's definitely looking forward to that and that's i think one of the reasons why she started doing lessons mm-hmm. with the piano with you as well is because she wanted to know more about the music so that she wouldn't just be like oh here are just these lyrics but i have no idea mm-hmm. about any of the other music theory that goes behind it just like the sound mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh you know she's you know done quite a bit of singing but doesn't really have an instrument mm-hmm. background and then uh i've also heard you've done some uh some fun work with Colin. Yeah, yeah. So, so Colin Patton and I, um, we've been writing songs together for years, and and we, it's very much uh, just wacky, creative mm-hmm. songwriting. Like, pretty much anything goes. Because technically, a song is pairing words with music, w- right. whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. So, like, some of the, some of the songs we've come up with are so goofy, and we love them. They're so great. So our little project is called The Rebel Angels, uh, which we don't really perform like shows very often, maybe just a couple times a year, Okay. Uh, usually for pretty small audiences. But mostly we just have fun just writing the songs mm-hmm. and, and like recording them, and we'll put them out on our, on our band camp page. <laughs> <laughs> oh, band camp. Yeah. That's awesome. And uh, let's see, uh, more recently, the, the collaboration I'm working with right now actually is uh, uh, Jamie Carlson, the... Uh, band teacher at Schombar, mm, mm-hmm. uh, she recruited me to to write up a jazz band arrangement for her kids of the Star Wars Cantina band music. The Love da, 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 da. So that's what I'm currently working on. I, I worked on it last night till about midnight, mm. and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep working on it today. And so anyway, that's the current collaboration I'm doing. But collaborations are super fun. You mm-hmm. get to work with different people who have very different perspectives than you. Uh, like Col- like Colin and I are like two opposite mm-hmm. people. And but we have so much fun together. We're actually talking about writing a musical together. Oh wow! Like, like we want to, because we both acted in Clue this last time, and so we're talking about what if we like wrote songs, but also like wrote a play. Like what if we did a musical? What and so a musical. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see if it actually happens. I th- I think we want to at least tr- give it a try. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll see if it's any good. But we're gonna try it. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, it sounds like you are, even though Clue's over and you're not up till you know ten at rehearsal. You're up till midnight working mm-hmm. on collaboration so you're you're busy in other ways so i won't keep any more of your time but thank you so much for coming by and sharing your story and and your experience with clue and first city players and all of your collaborations and you heard how to get a hold of him just find him on social media if you want to do some drums or piano lessons and dude awesome it was great to have you here thanks you so much for thanks for for being here always a good time and thank you all for listening to first city forum here on ktkn and catchcanradio.com I'll be back tomorrow with Chaz Gist. We're going to have a similar show and find out a little bit about him. Uh, Back to the hits. Have a good one, everyone.